This podcast comes from the Verbier Festival uh, in Switzerland, 1,500 metres up in the Swiss Alps, where the weather, I have to report, changes dramatically within a matter of minutes. Uh, it is at times like being centre stage in your very own stay, ever-changing stage set. It is epic. I wouldn't normally use that kind of word, epic, but it is epic. Um, and for two weeks of the year, uh, people come from across the world to play and listen uh, to performances in the Verbier Festival, performances given by star musicians um, of the kind that I wouldn't normally have access to uh, and I wouldn't normally hear in London. And it is, it is an incredible thing. It's my last day here today. I've been here for three days. And of course, inevitably, it's only now that the weather has levelled out. The sun is warm, the air is cool. The horizon is one long, jagged line, above which fluffy white clouds populate a ridiculously bright blue sky. I mean, it is, it, it, it's, it sounds a cliché. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, that's what it's like. Everywhere is an utterly gorgeous, gorgeous view. And that has a remarkable effect on the senses and, in turn, on your emotions. pointing out all of this uh, so succinctly and if a little indulgently, self-indulgently is a testament to the kind of place that Verbia is. It's famed as a ski resort uh, but when there's no snow here the place is just as pretty as ever um, and as you would expect it thrives on that blissful feeling experience. When you're ever so slightly detached from the rest of the world when you're in an environment where there are considerably less distractions it it enables you to focus on the thing that you came here for and and that's that in itself results in sort of quite an emotional response i have sort of wandered round verbier and um uh this morning i went on a cable car to the top of the mountain i mean it was it was a it was a deeply moving thing um, to to stand at the top of a mountain and just be aware of the complete silence and the solitude, the blissful solitude uh, to be experienced at the top of a mountain is is oh, it's just ravishing. It really is ravishing. So on that basis, it's inevitable that that when musicians perform here. Uh, the the experience for musicians and and audience alike is intense. It's a heightened kind of music making and a heightened kind of listening, uh, which comes from focus. And you're able to focus because you're free of dis- distractions and and because you're surrounded by all of this awesome beauty. I suspect it's not sustainable. I'm not sure that I could live like this for very long. I wonder whether the the ongoing reflections uh, 
which this kind of environment sort of promotes could eventually be quite destructive and it could possibly topple into a really dark place and find it very difficult to climb out of it but but for for short bursts of time say three days or or or, or a fortnight uh, it's probably quite beneficial uh, but as I say I've only I've only been here for three days the 50 members of Verbier's Academy which is a, a training program for exceptional young musicians from across the world uh, they've been here for three weeks. They arrived a week before the festival began. They have had master classes, intense rehearsals. They've had daily concerts. Uh, it is, it is a platform. It is a study opportunity, but it is also a platform for up and coming soloists. And I've been to a few of their concerts. Uh, they are jaw dropping affairs. They really are. They just sort of. They just come onto stage, they do their thing, and then they walk off stage, and and you think, oh, oh my God, wow, that was stunning. Um, their experience is obviously sort of similar to mine as a member of the audience in that they are they are within a community, and they are free of distractions, and so they are able to focus on the thing that they love doing, that they are good at, and and they are able to push themselves to a place that they wouldn't otherwise do in their home city and of course they're also interacting with people who uh, are at a similar level as them and so they learn off one another it's it's a very rich learning environment and it's 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 full of energy and it results in concerts which are full of energy can you tell me who you are and what you do here uh, i'm christian thompson i'm the director of the verbi festival academy and responsible for all our special projects Special project. Yes, CIA. If I tell you, I'll kill you. Right. Well, uh, could you chess tournament. Right. Uh, Medici stuff. Um, I've got a sports psychologist working here with learning programs. I've got um, a kids program called Discovery. Um, I've got lots of different things on the side, and they're the things that take up all the time, all the energy. What does the sports psychologist bring? Um, he talks about making a decision to win. It's very interesting. So for musicians can stand on the side of the stage and decide when they walk on they're going to win. Win means make an impression. It doesn't change what they do. It just gives them uh, an attitude which they bring out onto the stage. And do you see that? I mean, I saw you talking to students as they were <clears throat> as we were coming in here. You yeah. clearly have a, a close relationship with them. I lead them. On, you yeah. lead them. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I lead them. I'm, I'm like the conductor that I don't actually, um, I, I teach, I don't teach, I lead, but I, but I pick really, really great people to come and work with them and properly spend time with them. So like Gabor, um, like the sports psychologist, like um, the people that serve lunch at, at, um, at the restaurant at lunchtime, people who are handpicked so that everyone is properly, that everyone is on the same page and the week before we start. I sent a letter to everybody, my staff, the cleaners, the professors, everybody, and tell them what, it, what role they play in, in leading this group. It's really important. What is important about it for you? They, they, I have um, maybe 50 kids, kind of numbers go up and down depending on the day of the week, um, and this is a once-in-a-lifetime chance to be here. I had 400 applications for people to participate in the academy. So being accepted is already a, an enormous um, victory for them. And what we try and do is to give each one of them a, a, a tailor-made three-week schedule so that they really, really make the most out of it. And we spend a fortune on this programme. 
so it would disappoint me if somebody floated by or or didn't participate. They can go. They can sleep next Monday. Um, so when you're <clears throat> when you're handpicking those people, what is it that you're looking out for? Musical excellence. I mean, something interesting, um, something to say. Um, there's an awful lot of musicians around, but the really, really special ones are the ones that you really have to look for. And um, we've done a good job, not completely, but almost. And th- these guys, th- they won't have careers just being musicians. Uh, those days are gone, except for the for the really, really special ones. And of course, they come across two or three a year if we're lucky. The rest of them, they have to really think about their lives, about what they, how they can make a living out of music. And Clive Gillinson said last week when he was here that this was the greatest time to be a musician because there's so many different possibilities and you can have this kind of portfolio idea of lots of different things. And I, I think that was really heartening for them. You know, the, the dream for some violinists is to play in a string quartet or play chain music. Very few of them will be soloists. Playing in orchestra is a real um, defeat for them. Um, for my kids, for my kids in the academy, because they all want to be soloists. Kids in the orchestra want to play in orchestras. But then you get a job in an orchestra, say, and the first year you sit like this, and then every year, every year, every mm. year you go back, and mm. after five years you're fucked. Just so everything is about keeping your passion. These guys are passionate. So, so you recognise this surprises me, uh, and that might that I might show my naivety that you that you see from quite an early age there are musicians who want to play in orchestras and those who only want to be soloists yeah. and there's no crossover there's no at, the man, at this age no um, where do you think that comes from for them that's just what they've, they've that's just training they've all got fantastic teachers and they've all got um, a lot of solo repertoire and that's all they've worked on and playing in orchestras for good or for bad is something that they didn't really do up until now Whereas the kids playing in the Verbi Festival Orchestra, which you will see tonight, mm. uh, those are kids that really, really think being in an orchestra is what they want to do. Most of them. We've never really asked the question, but I think that's the truth. I think that's the case. Um, and do you think that that in years to come they will be jaded if they end up working in in orchestras? Is that what you're? No doubt. No doubt unless they find a way to keep passion projects going alongside their orchestra life. And that's quite a new thing. And I think that, that, uh, that people realise that that's now a possibility. And what I'm all about, just imagine if all of the musicians who were here in Verbier, um, each one of them took a responsibility to go out into their community and, and touch a new public, or do something out of the concert hall, something around live music. Because as you said before, um, it's a secret that's kept for old people and rich people and elite and they think it's fantastic and it's wonderful but they never don't know how to, to really um, they don't really know it's just something they've always done and, and I think that if young musicians like mine go out and find people and really really grab them by the hand and say this is what we're doing you can't help but be taken by it with their passion. If I go and do it, and I'm too old and boring, I'll fart. But you're only 35. 45. Okay. That was flattering. Very kind of you. 46 tomorrow. Okay. 
Um, you have to tomorrow. 47, actually. 47. Tomorrow. Yeah. Well, let's call it 46. Okay. Let's, let's call it 46. Yeah. You said earlier on, uh, you're quite matter-of-fact about what you were looking for when you were selecting musicians. And I kind of understand what you mean. You're looking for excellence, obviously. Something to say. Something to say. Yeah. But... But how exactly, what exactly do you see when, when you know you've got it? Do, do you understand what I mean? That's, yeah. Is it an instinct thing? Is yeah. it like... Uh, yeah. It's just that, I mean, I've worked in music for 25 years. And the really great musicians, the ones that have really something special to say, really know what they're doing, they grab you. And I get really... You, you met my, if you met my colleagues in the office, I do a lot of listening. I don't listen to everybody now. But when I hear someone that's amazing, I get them all in and we sit around my speakers and listen. And it's really amazing when there's a discovery. What is the quality of the listening that you have when you... When, I mean, this might be quite specific, but I think there's something in this about the location and the way in which being distraction-free... Um, I'm listening a slightly different way here, so I'm wondering whether, whether there's something in the quality of the listening... What you mean in t on tapes? on tape or, or, or just at how you as an individual are listening you know is it do you understand what I'm saying I do a bit I mean the, the application process the, there are a lot an awful lot to listen to which is why I don't listen to everyone because if you do one after another you, you start losing the will to live mm. uh, um, in that situation when somebody's really interesting they jump out at you but um, I'm really um, disciplined people send uh, normally 45 minutes of music and I try to listen to everything sometimes it's impossible because it's just not interesting. But I have a very expensive system in Lyon and I take it really seriously. I mean, the quality of stuff now that people can give us is really fantastic. It wasn't like that. My first year, we used to have, in the first four years, we had CDs and I piled about 300 CDs on my desk and some things would be terrible. But now you can make good quality. Well, this is a really good piece of kit, but you can make really good quality things and you can hear the hardest is piano. Violin and cello and viola make a, have a voice which is much more obvious to hear than a piano. And of course a singer has a voice. But I think I'm, I'm right in saying you're not necessarily looking for perfection. You're no, looking not for potential. at all. You're listening to something to say. You're listening for uh, somebody with something original. It's not the right word, but somebody that really grabs you. And beauty. Beauty is very hard to come by. Musical beauty. You look at old recordings listen to old recordings which were by far far from perfect and yet people had something to say uh, so you selected them and then they kept then they come to Verbier what yeah. do you think their first experience of Verbier is like right it's interesting the one thing that I insist on and I talked to him upstairs is that the day they arrived the sun's shining and so far in 12 years it hasn't let, he hasn't let me down because the first impression of Verbier is exactly what says this is special and I had somebody arrive last night um, uh, um, who's never been here before, who's going to spend a week with my, um, one of my academies. And she, it was, you saw the weather last night. And I'm walking outside, I said, it's mountains all over. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so you said, so you consider the, the mist and the fog, that's just not on for the first day? No, you, you have to go to see mountains, yeah. Oh, okay. You have to, because then these people know what, what's possible. It's the most beautiful place. And of course, we bring people from, I think out of my 50 kids, probably it's probably 20, 25 nationalities, and nobody really knows each other. 
and it's horrible it's the first day at school mm-hmm. so we worked really hard on the first two days three days to just get them being stupid so that they bond and we do a pretty good job we had two actors from London who helped them create little five minute pantomimes um, based on operas in their chamber music groups so on the first uh, third night we had a bit to drink and then they stood up on the stage and acted and I tell you that's so frightening for most of them that that's like coaching so it's, it's going beyond music practice it's, it's got it's nothing to do with really music po- really well no 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 it hasn't in fact what we did yeah. was that the whole point of it was that we want them to walk out on stage and be beautiful so uh, and be impressive because a lot of people don't think about walking out on stage so that was part of it there was um, there was an underlying educational reason for doing that and they understood that and it wasn't the, the quality of the show doesn't matter it was the preparation so each spent two hours with that proper actors helping them be present make an impression what do you what do you see when when things like that start having an impact on the newcomers what do you mean as in what do you see in them what what changes do you see ah. in them well after the, the first morning we have three hours together and we play games and we which is do lots of stupid things and then we we'll walk for 10 minutes to the restaurant and that's the moment when you you hope that no matter who you're walking up the street with you just turn and you talk to each other and with a smile on your face and that's what you see have to get that done really quickly because we've only got three weeks together and these groups I put together so this these four here I put together on the first day and they have to spend three weeks together and they play chamber music they probably do two hours a day and that's really hard so you want to get out of the way the the politeness and get down to doing some work Sounds like you deal with the awkwardness you get because presumably awkwardness is a is a distraction from the music making. Yeah, but I mean awkwardness is with this group of kids. Most of them have spent all their life in a room on their own practicing, so awkwardness comes with the territory. So it's much better just to just to get them to to be stupid right at the beginning. I do. I did it too, um, and I'm the first one to be stupid. Last year, I actually sat down and played the piano for them, and I'm not a pianist. And I said, if I can do it, then you can do anything. So I did have played them something. Uh, so we're now in the. This, we're now moving into the third this week. This is the, the last third week. week. Yes. Um, so what changes do you do you expect to see by the third week? Fatigue. Um, the, the the interesting work. One of them just said to me now because this is probably their third or fourth lesson on their chamber groups, and the first two lessons is really nuts and bolts. You know, you're not together, you're too loud, too quiet, whatever. And now they're really digging in. And they're really getting into the brushstrokes and the and the, the the DNA of the piece, and that's really interesting. Um, they're a bit overloaded. I'm, I give them too much, and I regret it a bit because none of them have really enjoyed the place enough. And they go to concerts every night, and they're all a bit starstruck. And it's interesting when you see oh, them the next. Yeah, sure, yeah. because you know the violinist, 19-year-old violinist, hears Leonidas Cavacos for the first time tonight. That's a really big deal because he's a he's a god. The juxtaposition of that starstruckness or that if you like celebrity status for for a performer alongside the sort of everyday humanity of an individual is something that I see here in Bourbier and I I get quite I get quite excited about. But he's a brilliant person, Leonidas. There is nobody less down to earth and grounded than he is. But do you see what I'm saying? That down-to-earthness that actually I don't you see, see when here. I'm in London. Yeah, you see, see it here, here but you don't see it here. 
And, and I'm, but do you think that the students don't see that? All they see no, is they the, see it, yeah. the, the, the celebrity. And you know, the number of kids that go up to um, the, the stars and say, can I come and play for you tomorrow? Because they know they're here for a week. You can never do that in London because they know no. they're leaving the next morning. Can I come and play for you? Uh, can we have a coffee and talk about a piece? Or, I love that. And you can do that here because they're kind of slightly détendu, slightly um, relaxed, slightly more relaxed. I mean, you see Michel outside or Pavo. They're kind of, you know, easy life. Um, I understand that you've been doing the Academy for 10 years? Is 12. That? 12 years. This is my 12th okay. year. Um, how do you think you've changed in those 12 years? Me personally? Yes. Um... I was an agent before I came here in London, and um, I, ne- I never really understood what young musicians need in order to make the most of their journey. And now that's really what I know a lot of, and the people who teach them and the people who inspire them. And it's brilliant. It's the best part of my job is putting people in front of them, like those two actors from two weeks ago. Um, who just had the most fantastic time. They, the kids had the most fantastic time and they would never do that. I just asked the viola player in this group, um, how they, the violist met the sports psychologist this morning and they had two hours with him. And I said, how did that go? She said, it was fantastic. We really felt like we were together as a group and we tried things. Um, that's beautiful. Mm. So what young musicians need, and most of them, as I said to you, most of them need to find ways to to preach the good news of classical music and it's people like that that will help them to do it. What has surprised you over the past 12 years? How much I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's just a shame it's only three weeks every year. Um, Gabor, who's teaching now, I, I met him my first year and he came the second year and he's never left. And what this guy does to those kids is f- 50 of me. Um, outside of Verbio, when it's not on and life presumably moves a whole lot slower, mm-hmm. uh, wh- how it doesn't you, actually because I run an orchestra in Lyon. Uh, so, how do you get your fix? Well, until I started Lyon two years ago, it was quite difficult because my fix is music. You know, I've never done a day's work in my life. You don't call this work? No. No, Are you doing yourself down? No, I, mean, I just love it. I absolutely love it. And so, work since is something I started, that you wouldn't, that you don't enjoy doing. No, it's just, a, it's just a, if you find if you have a real passion in life, um, and you find a way to earn money from it, then it doesn't feel like work. It's just a joy. And uh, you, we talked to Gabor. You know, Gabor, I think, is quite successful now in terms of guest conducting and stuff. But he does it because he's, you know, he do it if he didn't get paid one cent. I run an orchestra in Lyon and, and I run a concert hall there, program through the programming for a concert hall in Lyon and, um, and an orchestra. And that's a, a building that lives 250 days of the year with music. And that's a daily fix. Um, if you were giving advice to somebody who was, who'd finished their studies, who wanted to do the kind of work that you're doing, what would you say to them? All of my staff are, are people that have been, that are musicians or have been in the academy. No, they're all musicians. Some of them have been in the academy. And it's part of my um, um, 
it's part of what I do here is that I train them too because I think that all musicians should have that um, administrative uh, know-how savvy and um, it's really important and I think that you've just got to go and work in festivals and you've got to in fact my assistant is just about to go and work in another festival she's a pianist and it's going to be a big decision for her because she has to decide if she's going to stop playing professionally or whether she's going to be uh, or you know to become an administrator um, big decision that when you've played all your life an instrument since you were five or six and then you have to decide whether you can make a living or whether you try something else that's in music I started working music because I was a bad pianist and I was no way I could make a living out of it but now I have a perfect life what qualities do you think an administrator needs then in arts management? Organisation, caringness, um, musical knowledge. Can't you cannot um, uh, um, overstate how much you need musical knowledge? Because the number of administrators and agents that know nothing about music is quite remarkable. They like it, but they don't really properly know it. And the number of people that I've met who are really, really brilliant knowledge and musicians and administrators is very very few and they're the most interesting people because they can musicians feel safe with them so we had someone who was in our um, big orchestra and she left the big orchestra and then she came to work for the festival for five years she's just left to go and run an orchestra in France and if you really know properly what your what music's all about it makes all the difference and I mean I've got 25 years of knowledge but I didn't even nothing when I started. You've been listening to a Thoroughly Good podcast produced by me, John Jacob. Get in contact by tweeting me at thoroughlygood or send me an email to thoroughlygood at gmail.com.